0: All right, well, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 20, um, and one one of the things I love about going through uh, exegetical type of studies where we go through a book is that um, it's not wrong to take a break from that, especially if God's laid something on my heart, but I have found time and time again that uh, his schedule is just about perfect, and uh, he has a word fitly spoken so often if we'll just stay on that schedule, and, and we see that here in Psalm chapter 20. Uh, there's a very short superscription here. Uh, it says, to the chief musician a psalm of David, okay? And so whenever we see that to the chief musician thing, uh, we understand that that is in regard to corporate worship. This is a song that's meant to be sung uh, in a corporate setting. And then uh, it also says of David. So we know that David is the human author of this psalm. And um, God divinely inspired it through him. Uh, God had David write this uh, particular psalm in his hymnal, And like most other psalms, it's a prayer as well. Uh, The songs we sing tonight, and and we sing often here at Dublin First Baptist Church, the the vast majority of them are prayer-type songs. They're directed to God. There's other songs we sing that are more of a testimony uh, type of hymn. But uh, this is not just a, a song to God, but it's also a prayer. And it's a little unusual in that this is an intercessory prayer, all right, or a prayer that we make for somebody else and for their needs, It's also unusual because this prayer song that God inspired David to write is a a prayer that he once prayed for him. He wrote it to other people to pray for him. So I guess in that sense, in some manner, it's actually a prayer request. Now, there's different genres of psalms. There's praise ones. There's um, lament psalms. This one it falls under the category of a royal psalm. It's, it's about the king, not just David, but most of the royal songs also have messianic implications the, about the, the final and the great king, Jesus Christ. And so this royal psalm is really a prayer for the king. And we're going to read it here, Psalm chapter 20. Verses one to nine, the Lord hear thee in the day of trouble, the name of the God of Jacob defend thee, send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. Remember all thy offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifice, Selah, grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save, Lord, let the king hear us when we call." Uh, in verses 1 to 3 in this uh, psalm, that is a prayer request uh, that David is giving, asking for intercessory prayer to be uh, done on his behalf, we see an intercession for God's protection. And in verses 1 and 2 specifically, he highlights the resources that uh, afford that protection from the Lord to us. But let's look at verse 1. It says, the Lord uh, hear thee in the day of trouble. We have a God who hears. Um, it uses that name, Lord. The Lord here, the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And that is uh, his revealed name, uh, Yahweh. Uh, whenever you see that in the Bible with all four being capital, that, that is uh, the revealed name of God that he gave to Moses there at the burning bush and that he wanted the children of Israel to be known by and what he wants you and I to, be, uh, to, to know him by. Uh, his personally revealed name. And it means, it means this, the one who is. No beginning. No beginning no end uh, the one who causes to be he is our creator and so it says the Lord hear thee in the day of trouble not only do we have a God who hears but we have a God who answers uh, and what a blessing that is uh, 242 times in the Old Testament uh, the word that's translated right in this verse as here 242 different times it's translated answer because there's really no difference when God hears the prayer of his children, he's going to answer them. And so we've got some confidence that we can gain in in what David's giving a prayer request uh, for here. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. Uh, Now, trouble in Hebrew is the word zra, and uh, it means a tight, uh, cramping, confined place. And there's probably a lot of people right now who have a a new understanding of that. Uh, I don't know if you can think back to a time when You were going through a day of trouble, and that was very descriptive of how you felt. And and we're in a time of trouble right now in our land. We are. Uh, And there's people who feel like they're in a tight, cramping, confined space, a space of of pressure. Then in the second part of verse 1, he says, The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Let's look at that first part, the name. What does it mean? It means he says the name of God, the God of Jacob, defend thee. And you might be thinking, well, I just assume God defend me, and that's really is what he's saying here. You know, um, in our culture, it might not have the significance that it did uh, at this time period and in this culture even today. Uh, but a name meant something. It wasn't just a word or a title. Uh, it wasn't just who you were known by. But but what was in view there is your reputation and uh, your fame. Uh, Who you are and and what you've done and maybe what you would do would be included in that. And that's significant because that's what we've been talking about in in the Psalms, that in order to move from fear to faith, we have to focus on the facts of who God is and what he's done and what he's promised to do. And that's really all wrapped up in that uh, concept of the name of the God of Jacob defend you. In verses 5 and verse 7, he also calls out the name of God as being something that's powerful. Really, um, what he's asking here for is that uh, everything that God is, and for you and I, everything he is for us in Jesus, uh, would be the defense of the person that's being prayed for. And what's in light here is is God's character and his conduct. When you see the name, anytime you see the name of the Lord uh, doing something in scripture, it's speaking of his character and his conduct. And uh, Whenever we see that, uh, that phrase or that concept of his name, that's what we need to think about. Uh, now it says to defend thee. In Hebrew, that's sagab. And it means to evacuate or extract or uh, grab a hold of and set on high. And, and that fits so perfectly with the day of trouble and being in a tight, cramped space. Uh, in the army, uh, in the special operations community, they have this uh, device that's some people call it a spy rope or a speed rope, but it's just a long rope that would extend from a helicopter. And, and when they wanted to insert uh, a, a group of people or quickly evacuate them and the helicopter can't land, it hovers low enough where the people can hook up to that, no parachute, nothing else, just a harness and a D-ring, and it, and it can either put you in or get you out of a place uh, really quick. And I think I just that just came to mind when I'm I'm seeing here that he is calling us uh, to pray that God would defend us, to evacuate us, to extract us uh, out of that confined place of pressure. And then God of Jacob, even that is significant. I mean, he's using different terms here for who God is, and he's already used Lord, and now he uses God of Jacob. Uh, what, what's the significance of that? Well, that's the personal covenant-keeping God, the God that came to Abraham, and came to Isaac, and then came to uh, Jacob, and he said, we're going to have a relationship. Uh, It's a God who wants to be known by you, and he who wants to know you. Uh, It's not just a a force that's out there. It's someone who wants to defend you, who wants to be uh, your help, and and to hear you in the day of your trouble. And look at verse 2. Where's this help coming from? Verse 2, it says, send thee help from the sanctuary, and strengthen thee out of Zion. Where's the help coming from? First of all, from the sanctuary. That's where we are right now. It doesn't look the same as it usually does from my perspective. Um, And in the Old Testament, it was in regard to the temple and especially that the Holy of Holies, uh, where God's presence was uh, in a very real way. Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat. And he's saying um, here, send thee help, your help is going to come from the sanctuary, a powerful symbol of God's presence. And it's God's presence that is our help in that day of trouble. There's another uh, kind of metaphor here. He says, and strengthen thee out of Zion. And what does Zion uh, mean? And if we don't grab a hold of this and look into it, uh, we might just read it quickly. The Lord strengthened thee out of Zion. Well, literally in, in the Old Testament and for God's people, the Jews, Zion is Jerusalem. It's a city. Well, what does that mean? But it, it, who is there? God's people. And in, in the New Testament, it's used so many times in our, in our hymns. We sing an old hymn, glorious things of thee are spoken, Zion, city of our God. It's not talking about a city. It's talking about the people of God. And so uh, the Lord's help comes from his presence, this sanctuary, and our, our strength, in a very real way, comes from God's people. All right? And what I mean by that is um, ultimately, yes, our, our help and our strength comes from God and God alone, but it's God's design in times of trouble, like he described in verse 1. Uh, this is how he so often extracts people or evacuates them from pressure filled, confined spaces of trouble. Uh, is that he uses his presence to calm us and he uses his people to strengthen us. And this is why the people of God, the community of faith that is the church right here right now and wherever you're tuning in from, that is why it's so important, why it's such a necessary and beneficial thing for you to be a part of. Your help comes from God, but through his presence Your strength comes from God but through his people, according to verse 2. And you're designed to be that for others. To strengthen them. I mentioned earlier tonight when we were praying and asking you to pray for our pastors and deacons and the leadership of our church right now. Not just ours, but all across this county and every church in this country and every church around the world that's suffering through all this. Pray for them. They are in very uncharted waters right now. I kind of joked uh, with someone a little while ago uh, because we might be blessed with leadership that um, is blessed with years, but none of them were around in 1918 when there was a Spanish flu. We've never gone through this yet. And while we might be unchart- in uncharted waters, the thing that we can have faith in and be very confident and being very joyful about is, um, We know who has the map and who can help us navigate. Uh, We know who the captain is. (laughs) And so as long as we are with him and and together with him, we're going to make it. It's not outside his will. He knows where we're going. I'd also encourage you, as we've been talking about the people of God here and, and being a strength to others, there's a lot of talk, and we don't know what to do all the time. We're seeking God's will there's a lot of talk about, um, should we have church even in this situation? Must we? Uh, is it the right thing to do? And, and should we and can we a, And uh, come to church? And that's not a bad question. I mean, wow, what an awesome question that people are laboring over and praying over. But I don't want to miss out on going as a church because I'm so consumed with what we should do about coming as a church. And this is an opportunity that we can go as a church. Uh, Franklin Graham, I think, said it in the last couple days uh, on a social media post, but he said, if you're streaming a service with your church family, that's an awesome thing. Enjoy it. Worship God together. Use this opportunity and then go to your neighbor's house all around you. Take them a loaf of banana bread, maybe a roll of toilet paper. That'd be showing some love or a whole package of it something that's, that's kind of a priceless commodity right now. But go there, and you know what you're going to talk about? What everybody's talking about right now. You don't even have to find an angle to start talking about the gospel. You're going to talk about coronavirus. And then you have this awesome opportunity to share with them the hope that you have and why you're not petrified. Now, all I can see, Lord help this happen, is when this is all done, our churches are filled with families who have turned to Christ and we're baptizing families who have turned to Christ because we've been, it's not that it's wrong to worry about coming, but let's not miss focusing on the going right now as a church. That's his people. His people are designed to strengthen. Verse three talks about our reward. It says, remember all of thy offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifices. You know, here the prayer request or the intercessory prayer suggestion is that God would answer and help and strengthen the one being prayed for because of their faith. Because of their faith. Uh, the faith is expressed there in verse 3. May the Lord remember all your offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifice and law, meaning to pause and meditate on that. Now, this is a faith that's expressed in wholehearted, obedient worship to God, offerings and sacrifices. We do that in a little bit different way than they did back then. But that is how our faith is expressed. And when we do that, God rewards that faith. When we worship God, as he asks us to worship him, he's going to reward that faith. That's what it says in Hebrews eleven six. That's God's definition of what faith is. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he's going to come to God and have that relationship you must believe that he is, number one. But that's not enough in and of itself. There's a lot of people who believe that God exists, but they don't have a relationship with him through faith in Jesus Christ. You've got to go beyond that. Uh, and the second part of verse 6 of Hebrews 11 says that you have to believe that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You know, I think that's such a powerful parallel to this verse here in verse 3 of chapter 20 in Psalms. Uh, it's important that you and I stop thinking of uh, a reward from a human perspective, um, with, with maybe human ethics. I think sometimes we might think that uh, we've taken something out of a good deed or an act of love because we were looking to reward, like we should just do something out of duty and because it's the right thing to do. But that's not what God wants. He wants us to do it because we delight in him. Um, he wants us to express our faith by obeying him and worshiping him and doing those good things. It's not mercenary to do it for the reward. That's what Hebrews 11.6 says. And here he he's he not saying, God, answer my prayer because I've offered you uh, offerings and, and burnt sacrifices. He's just saying the faith that is expressed in doing those things is going to be rewarded with God's protection. That's how God works. It's what he tells us to do that our faith should be expressed in these ways. And it shows his immeasurable worth when we do what Hebrews eleven six 6 says and, and believe that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And the reason is because the reward that it's talking about there, it's relationship with him. There's nothing better than that. Nothing better at all. I mean, there's no greater reward. So the question here is, do you pray for others like David's asking us to here? to depend on the resources and reward that God's protection provides us. In verses 4 and 5, it talks about intercession or praying for others that they'd understand God's providence. And first, um, it's a prayer for altered and answered purposes. Verse 4 says, Grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. First part of verse 5, We will rejoice in thy salvation. And so, you know, yes, God provides us protection, but he provides us so much more than that. We have a gracious God. We have a very giving God. And the intercessory prayer request right here in verse 4 is for God to give the one that's being prayed for the desires of their heart. Now, that doesn't mean whatever they want, uh, but that God is going to realign, that God is going to alter and then answer those desires as they understand his will and then it's going to become their will. Uh, That's the whole purpose of prayer, and and that's what genuine faith is. Uh, When we have faith in God and all that he is for us in Jesus Christ, we're going to have new affections. We're going to have new desires, and we're going to have new aversions. You know, things we used to not really care all that much about or they weren't that important, now they're vital in our life. We couldn't imagine life without them. And things that we used to love, we find them repulsive. And God changes our desires, and he's promised here to fulfill them. We're going to have altered and then answered purposes for why we live. Verse 5, it says, we will rejoice in thy salvation. That is where our joy is ultimately found. It's found in the salvation we have in God. And then in the second part of verse 5, it says, and in, thy name, in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. We'll set up our banners. Well, what are Banners. All right, and he says name of our God again. So uh, based on God's character and God's conduct, that's what's uh, implied by name there. We're going to set up banners, and banners at that time were were wartime military flags where soldiers would assemble under them, Uh, and uh, typically in different nations, they might have a symbol or the name of the national God, and he was supposedly uh, going to empower them to have victory in battle and David here says we will remember we will uh, in the name of our god we will set up our banners in the name of our god in what name of god what aspect of his character or his conduct do you want to use as an empowering symbol to live out your faith even in times like these is it his sovereignty that's a beautiful one is it his grace and his mercy and his love I think whenever you talk to people about what their favorite character quality of God is, that's the beautiful thing is you could talk to 20 people and get 20 different answers because that's who he's been for them. And you probably get 20 answers for someone who's lived long because God's been so much to them. What name of God, what aspect of his character or his conduct, what he's done for you, would you use as an empowering symbol in the midst of a battle? We're in a battle right now. And it's important that we assemble under that flag. Uh, at the end of verse 5, it says, The Lord, fulfill all thy petitions. And so uh, we, we should pray for others and, and with. Uh, we should pray that they have altered and answered prayers or altered and answered petitions, but uh, we should also pray with those. And so here the intercessory prayer for God uh, to fulfill is that he would fulfill the prayers of the one being prayed for. Yeah. And he'd fulfill them, that he'd Fill them full. And that's what God does. You know, Ephesians 3.20 talks about how God responds to us. When we see him as the great benefactor and we as beneficiaries, he doesn't just meet our needs. He's exceedingly, abundantly, beyond we, everything we could ask or, or think. And I've been challenged this week. Um, I've been challenged to pray God-sized prayers. I think things like this that we're going through right now, there's so many things we can learn from it. But my prayer life has changed in the last two weeks. And um, when I might have prayed for someone two weeks ago and it was helped them to have a good day, there's nothing wrong with that prayer. My prayers are a lot different now for them. When I see people that, that God can uh, remove cancer from someone, you know, and they can win that battle when it doesn't look good. And... Our God's big enough to remove this coronavirus if it's his will. But are we going to pray for that? Are we going to pray God-sized prayers? Or are we going to be like, can I have this, God? When he wants to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we could ask or think. God wants to fulfill. He wants to fill full. That's who he is. That's his character. It's what he does. If we will pray that way. Do you pray for others that they will come to know God's will that they come to submit to it, that they come to rejoice in it, and then be filled full of his will for them. And then finally in verses six to nine, there's a prayer of intercession for God's power that this person would understand and experience and um, totally be transformed by God's power. Uh, First regarding salvation in verses six through eight, it says, now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed." That's a confidence, strong confidence. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. Well, who's his anointed? I mean, that might be good, but am I his anointed? Um, Who's his anointed? It's whosoever will. Whosoever will respond to his grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It's also, uh, I mean, we can even see the beginnings here of it definitely pointing to Jesus Christ in Isaiah uh, chapter 42, verse 1. Uh, Jesus Christ is referred to as my elect or my anointed or my chosen one. And So here we, we get even messianic aspects and it will come through even stronger here. But look, it says, now I know that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear from his holy heaven. And that salvation comes from heaven because it comes from him. In Revelation chapter 7 verse 10, it says salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. That's where salvation comes from. That, that's the only place salvation comes from. What a beautiful song. A song that's sung in heaven. A song you will sing one day in heaven. And really, we ought not wait till we get there. Revelation 7, 10. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb uh, because it comes from heaven. And that salvation comes from God through the Lamb. And here we find Jesus again at the end of verse 6. Uh, he will hear from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. And who is that? God's right hand, right? Jesus Christ. Our right hand of power, when we think of power, we might think of might and strength. So often when it refers to God's right hand in the Bible, it does mean that, but it also means His mercy and grace, and that's Jesus Christ. Power and mercy aren't opposites. In Jesus Christ, they're all in one. It's God's powerful and strong right hand, and it's God's merciful and gracious and loving right hand to you and I. And so, what will you trust in? Are you in a tight, confined place? A day of trouble, where will you choose to place your faith? In verse 7, it says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we, we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And I was moved as I studied this psalm this week to try to identify chariots and horses in my life. Sometimes they're outright sins. And sometimes they can even be good things. Is it wrong to depend on a husband or wife? No. Is it wrong to depend on them for satisfaction above God? Yeah. Is it wrong to depend on a job or a safe place? or think? No, those are all good things. But we can't trust in them. We can't. We should remember the name of the Lord our God. And in that word remember, again, now in Hebrew, it's zakar. And I think it's important because it, it means so much more than like remember. Like I remember what I did yesterday. You know, I, I went to IGA. This is so far beyond just acknowledgement of a fact or acknowledgement of a truth when in this word remember, it means to call to mind with intent and with purposefulness and to celebrate it actually has that kind of, Uh, implication to to celebrate or to invoke his name that's what we're called to do there is to when it says to but we we're not going to trust in chariots we're not going to trust in horses no we're going to remember we're going to not just acknowledge but even more so uh, intentionally set our mind on we're going to celebrate we're going to invoke the name of the lord and again his character and his conduct is all wrapped up in that term his name why choose them uh why, why choose him over them? I mean, a lot of times, normal, typical human response would be, this is here. Might as well use it. Other people have. Why would we choose Christ over them? Because it says in verse 8, they're brought down and fallen. That's why you should. But We, we're risen. We stand upright. That's why. Faith isn't just a, a saving option. Faith is a sensible option, and faith and reason—they're not mutually exclusive things. They're not. Faith. Uh, God, God also asks us to. Um, pray that they understand God's power, not just in salvation, but in his sovereignty, All right, or that God is our sovereign. In verse 9, it says, save Lord, let the king hear us when we call. Uh, I'm reading on the King James, and there's various translations that, uh, that uh, translate this a little differently, because the syntax and the tense in the Hebrew is difficult. Um, there's two main bodies of text that uh, we translate our, our Bibles out of, the textus receptus, that's where we get King James, and New King James, and um, and other, other versions are influenced by it. And then there's also what's called a majority text, which a lot of the uh, other translations like NIV and Holman and, and ESV are, trans, are used to translate God's word. But here, here's why there's differences if you have a different Bible and it says something a little different than that uh, tonight. Uh, in, in the King James, the Lord, all right, save Lord, let the king hear us when we call. And it's presenting the Lord as the king who saves and hears and uh, in other versions, it might say something a little different or put a phrase around, and it's trying to say that the Lord saves the king, uh, the king being the one who's asking for this prayer request, David, and then, and then one day, uh, the descendant of David, Jesus Christ. Uh, and so uh, it's a prayer for the Lord to save the king. So which one? Yes, both of them. I mean, ultimately... <laughs> David David, and even Jesus might be a, a subordinate king, but ultimately uh, the Lord is the king, and ultimately it's the sovereign king who hears and saves. And so here's a psalm that's uh, meant to move us to be full of praise and move us to maybe more intense uh, level of prayer to our sovereign savior who hears and saves. Uh, the prayer request right at the beginning and wrapped up, bookended at the end there of this psalm and so the question is do you pray that others would experience his sovereign salvation that um, they would know Jesus Christ and that they would know the peace that comes from understanding God's sovereignty and here's the thing when you pray for others in any of these three ways that they know God's protection and his resources and reward and that they know God's providence uh, that, that he can he'll give us altered and answered purposes and and, and learn teach us how to pray altered and answered prayers and when, when, when we pray that others would understand God's power by implication and just by practice we're reminded of those things so as we pray these for other people there's a benefit to you and I because we're reminded and our, our faith grows we're, we're told tonight that our God protects does our God protect he does we've got an infinite resource in, in the Lord the one who is the one who causes to be and we've got a Eternal reward. And we have a God who provides, and we're called to have altered purposes and petitions, and we're called to pray that others would. And He will. He'll provide our desires. He'll do it exceedingly abundantly because that's who He is. He's going to align our will with His. He's going to answer our prayers. And we have a God who's powerful. He alone is our salvation because He is sovereign. I want to close tonight by worshiping Him uh, and singing praise tonight. We're sing Behold Our God, I think, and then Everlasting God, two great songs that should help us do that. And as you do, remember his name, really focus in on his name tonight, and then uh, make a commitment that you pray other people would be motivated to understand God in these three ways. And um, let's worship him, not just tonight, but in faith forever.